And we're going to be talking about relationships over the next few weeks. Today we're talking about friendship. And um, friendships are, are a key relationship that, you know, most of us experience. It's, a, it's one of those relationships where it doesn't matter, you know, what your age is or your stage of life or where you are on the planet. I mean, everybody on some level understands friendship. And so statistically, we have about 150 people in our life. And these would be people that we would talk to, you know, once or twice or three times a year. And then inside of this, we have different layers of friends. So we have about 50 acquaintances. We have 15 people who are our, our crew. And then within that crew, we have about five really close friends. And, and that seems like a lot of companionship. But, you know, as we start to dig deeper and, and talk with people about friends, it seems that, you know, there's, there's a lot of busyness that happens in our lives. So whether it's around family or work or kids or aging parents or responsibilities in, in some way or the other, and, and people are really settling for sort of a limited experience. Things like, you know, text or uh, small talk or casual friendships, you know, where you have similar tastes or shared interests. And despite all the progress that we're making with connections through technology, people are still considerably lonelier. And coupled with this, we have marital patterns that are rapidly changing. People are getting married later and later, if at all. Stats Canada has cited the number of Canadians living alone is at a record high. It's our highest type of household. Uh, and so when we consider this, it's evident. Friendships are a critical part of our lives. And when I mention these things about marriage or, or living alone, I'm not saying that we need to be married or that uh, we need to have kids. Being single is good. God's word reinforces this. Jesus himself was single. But there's a difference between singleness and being alone. It's not good for us to be alone. We need connection over isolation. Relationships matter. God built us for connection. We're designed like him. And God is in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's out of relationship that he designed us for relationship. And, and friends are one of the key ways that we live in connection with others. With our, with our friends, we, we find this strong sense of, of community and belonging and love. In one study I read, one guy said that it was his friendships that were more satisfying in emotional intimacy. He said, lovers are temporary, but a bromance? A bromance can last a lifetime. And that, that quote reminds me of something similar that David said of his friend Jonathan in the Bible. David said that in his friendship with Jonathan, their love was deeper than the love of women. It's true, the kind of love that we know in friendship can be like that. It can be like any other relationship that we have. And, and the story of Jonathan and David's friendship is an example of this. Jonathan uh, he's the son of Saul, Saul being the first king. And we really get introduced to Jonathan in, in 1 Samuel 14. And uh, in there, his father Saul is leading the Israelite army against the Philistines. The Philistines are presenting a military threat again to Israel. And so Saul and the army are at war. They're holed up at, at Michmash. And Jonathan is there, but Jonathan isn't interested in waiting around. So Jonathan grabs his armor bearer and the two men head out and they're going after one of the Philistine command posts. 
And to get there involves this, this really dangerous, unprotected uh, free climb up this craggy face of a mountain. And, and Jonathan tells the, the armor bearer to get behind them. And he says, perhaps the Lord will work for us. And, and they fearlessly approach and God is on their side. They get to where they're going. They kill the 20 soldiers who are there. And, and this starts this chain reaction. God sends a panic. There's an earthquake. And the rest of the Philistine army uh, starts to freak out. And so they scatter, and then the Israelite army moves into action, and they pursue the Philistines, and they defeat all of them. But it was Jonathan, Jonathan who initiated this critical military action, this risky plan of his, putting his faith out there that God would bring about a victory. This is Jonathan, a prince, a fearless cliff climber. And then there's David, the youngest son of Jesse, a shepherd boy, a fearless giant slayer. Most of us know this story. We meet David in 1 Samuel 16, 17. He's been anointed by Samuel to be the next king. And here he's been asked by his father to deliver supplies to his brothers who are on the front lines with the Israelites. They're fighting the Philistines again. And so David arrives and the, the Philistine champion, a, a warrior by the name of Goliath is, is launching uh, insults and taunting the Israelites, and, and David's not having it. He can't believe that, that Goliath has the nerve to defy God's army. And so even though his, his brothers think that he's being like this cocky brat, David decides that he's going to do something about it. So he approaches the king, Saul, to tell him so. And Saul's kind of nervous for him, like, who is this kid? And so he offers him his armor, and David says, no, thank you. He picks up his five stones. He takes his slingshot and he moves into action. He hurls himself towards Goliath. He takes out a stone. He slingshots Goliath right in the head. Giant falls to the ground. And uh, David grabs Goliath's sword. He cuts off his head. And when the Philistines see their, their champion defeated, they turn and they run. And then the Israelite army pursues and defeats them all. And this is David. David then is taken to Saul. And this is where they meet, Jonathan and David. And so when do these guys become best friends? They're a couple of, of risk-taking, God-fearing, Philistine-killing underdogs. <laughs> Scripture says in 1 Samuel 18, after David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and didn't did not let him return to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. This is no ordinary friendship. An immediate bond was forged between them. And from this point on, D Jonathan is, is David's number one advocate and friend. He's totally committed. But their friendship was to see its fair share of, of ups and downs. Jonathan's father, Saul, receives David into his household and then starts sending him out on different military missions. And, and whatever David does, David is successful because God is with David. And this makes things very complicated because Saul starts to get very jealous and then he starts to get really angry. And I think he's spiraling too because, you know, Saul had his own stuff going on even before David showed up. Saul had 
failed to trust the Lord. He had offered sacrifices when he wasn't supposed to. He had already proved himself an incompetent leader. And now here's David. And with David's successes, is only highlighting this even more. And Saul's accelerating in his self-destruction. And David continues in his military success. And we see Saul's hard feelings get harder and settle into hate. And, and now Saul wants him dead. But here we have Jonathan, and he's, he's torn between his devotion for his, his father and his love for his friend. And as his father's jealousy and his anger keeps rising against David, it was, it was clear that it wasn't going to be reconciled. And Jonathan came to, to understand the truth about how his father felt that Saul was, was bent on hunting down David and that David needed to flee. And so at their goodbye... Jonathan and David wept. They restate their commitment to each other, that as long as, as they lived, they would continue to be covenant friends, that in death, they would keep covenant friendship with their families. They pledge their love, they say goodbye. David on the run for his life and Saul and his armies in pursuit. And the years that followed are, are gut-wrenching difficult. You know, Saul hunted David day after day after day, but the Lord, you know, wouldn't let Saul find David. God kept David one step ahead of Saul all the time. And in this time, Jonathan found ways to meet his friend, to encourage him, to reiterate his love and his loyalty. First Samuel 23, Jonathan says, Don't be afraid. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel, and I will be second to you. Now Jonathan went to David. And he strengthened his hand in God. Jonathan understood that the Lord had chosen David instead of him, right? Because Jonathan was in line for the throne as Saul's son. But there was no jealousy between these two. There was only loyalty and love. And one would think in all of this that Jonathan would join forces with David. He knows he's going to be the next king. It's his best friend. But no, he stood with his father. Even though he knew that his father was doomed, he stayed with him even to his death. Jonathan died fighting with his dad. They were fighting the Philistines. And when David heard the news, he mourned and he wept and he fasted and he lamented for Saul and for Jonathan. And then shortly thereafter, God brings about his plan and David prevails and, and he is uh, king over Judah and Israel. <clears throat> and as David swore to Jonathan that they would be friends permanently, that they would support each other's families, David sets out to do that. David learns of one descendant, Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth. And he summons him and he says to him, don't be afraid, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. In keeping his promise to Jonathan, David offers him royal protection and this unheard of kindness of restoring to him his inheritance, his family's land, Saul's land, to him as a gift. And, and this is unheard of because usually what a king would do, a king would destroy the line of the, the previous king in order to protect their own throne. But here David is doing the very opposite thing. He is protecting him. He is blessing him. And this unheard of kindness, it, it sprung out of an unheard of love and an unheard of friendship between David, the, the God-loving giant slayer, and his dearest friend Jonathan, the God-loving cliff climber, two great men who were two great friends. 
And some of us have known the gift of great friendship, haven't we? Kind of like this, or at some point in our lives, I hope that we have enjoyed beautiful friendships, the kind where you laugh so hard that it hurts, or the kind where a friend has come around you and lovingly comforted you in times of grief or sorrow or suffering, or, or to be cheered on and encouraged by a friend into doing something that you never thought was going to be possible. I think probably as well, at some point or another, we've experienced friendships that have turned into war zones where there's conflict and, and carnage and hurt. Author Jenny Allen of Find Your People says, outside of Jesus, relationships are the greatest gifts we have on earth and simultaneously the most difficult part of being alive. Friendships can be tricky things. They shift in unpredictable ways as we travel through different seasons, and sometimes they can feel unstable. Sometimes they can feel a little fragile. Friendships sometimes can too easily get broken, and then we're, we're set adrift. Most of us can say that we've had a friend who has failed us or let us down or betrayed a confidence of ours. Many of us have had a friend who's turned their back on us, who's rejected us. Friends hurt friends intentionally, unintentionally, because of sin, because of brokenness, because of differences. There's, there's all kinds of reasons, but, but unfortunately, it's inevitable. But Jesus came to redeem and restore all things, including our relationships with each other. And, and I believe that there are qualities that we learn from his word, from, from this friendship between David and Jonathan, that that can move us into deep and lasting and loving friendships. Things that, that can teach us about becoming great friends to our friends. Things that can teach us about what God is saying about how friendship really should be. And the first characteristic that I wanna talk about that Jonathan and David show us about their friendship is that it's actively authentic. It is actively authentic. 1 Samuel 18, 1, after David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. They were one in spirit. This was this immediate bond that was between them. They loved, and they loved each other with this same intensity and, and depth that they would even love their, themselves. We see Jonathan moving towards David and Jonathan moving towards him in, in this very deep relationship. It requires a willing heart, initiation. There's a proactivity to friendship. But importantly, it's not about putting people around us because we know that we can surround ourselves with people but not really be deeply connected to them. This is about a willingness to, to intentionally seek out others in this very open-hearted way, to actively move towards our friends in this, this deep and, and raw and honest and vulnerable kind of friendship. This is no easy invitation. There's, most of us, I would think, don't like this kind of exposure, right? We, we can sometimes prefer to keep people at a distance. We can be guarded or suspicious or afraid. Maybe in the past we've been judged by somebody or hurt by somebody. And then we emotionally can shut down and isolate our hearts. 
Maybe with all the things that we have to do, building genuine friendships may feel costly. So instead, we just fill a calendar with, with small talk acquaintances. But God is showing us that through Jonathan and David that this is not where it's at. This is how the world does friendship, and that biblical friendship is about close, authentic community, pursuing genuine connections with others. And in the same way that these, these two guys were bold in their, their character, they were taking initiative, they were demonstrating this trusting confidence that they had in God, it's the same way that they go after this real deal friendship that they had with each other. And, and I think that they were able to do this because they knew who God created them to be, and they lived out of this. The way that they thought, the way that they felt, the way that they acted, it was out of each of their personal relationships with God. We can see it in their stories. They had no need to project something or to protect something. These guys knew that they couldn't make something of themselves. They had nothing to prove. God was at the center of each of their lives. God's unconditional love was at the center of their lives, and out of this, they loved. They weren't looking to each other to fill any gap. They put no relational expectation on the other to meet a need. And I think this is maybe sometimes where we can go wrong in our relationships. Maybe why we always haven't been successful at, at forming authenticity in our friendships. Because we can look to people to fill something that only God can fill. And when that happens, we're left disappointed. Because when we look at people to validate us or agree with us or approve of us, we're, we're going to be affected by human words or ideas or actions, uh, perhaps a friend's disapproval of us or their criticisms. So we're putting a person at the center, and then we will inevitably feel let down. Because people aren't perfect. They don't won't always say the right thing or do the right thing. And, and when we pull on them to meet our external needs, we'll never be able to anticipate or meet those needs. Only God can do that. With God at the center, we'll likely get people right. But this requires a level of self-confrontation that uh, we have to go really deep to face what's, what's going on. And I think that we can resist this because sometimes it's painful. Unprocessed pain can be there. Um, impure motives, repressed anger, insecurities. But if we don't go there, <laughs> we fail to bring the, the full resources of ourselves into our relationships. We keep showing up then shallow, or distracted, or preoccupied, or pretending, or guarded, or protected. And Jonathan and David, they loved free of this stuff because their lives were found first in God's love. And when we operate in the same way from this place, our identity in Christ, who we are in him, we then are free to be loved and to deeply love our friends. When we live freely from this, the, the depths of God's acceptance of us, this is, you know, this is where we find humility, humility that, that understands that there's, there's nothing to protect. There's no idealized version of ourselves. There's nothing that, that we need defending. We don't need the opinions of others to feel good about ourselves. The way of our friendships is freedom that's found in Christ, 
in his love. And, and when we live from it, it will go out from us. Friendships marked with humility are, are one of the tools that Christ can use through our lives to, to continue to dismantle the kingdom of darkness and to, to shatter the enemy's work of, of shame and hurt and isolation. Imagine, imagine a, a movement of Christ's humility and love spreading out across this planet through us, through our friendships. So I, I want to invite you to try something. I, I, I want to invite us to, to initiate a, a genuine connection opportunity with a friend. Maybe it's an old friend. Maybe it's a new friend. But it's, it's your initiative. You're going to seek it out. And it doesn't have to be elaborate. But it, invite your friend. Grab a coffee. Run an errand together. Walk your dogs. Grab pizza. Go to Costco. Do an everyday life kind of thing with a friend. And then, while you're doing it, open up. You can start small, you can go big, but try sharing one, one hard or uncomfortable thing. I, I know I'm being vulnerable when I don't really want to say it out loud. One of those things. You can talk about a struggle you're having, you can cry, just be honest but go a little deeper together, pray together, lay it out there. And I don't suggest that everybody in your life needs to know every detail about your life, please don't hear that. I'm, I'm saying that, that share, initiate, you know, with, with friends, not the guy behind you in the checkout line at Longo's, not the barista who's making your coffee. Initiate with, with, a, with a friend, whether it's somebody you, you want to get to know or somebody you really love and know but I encourage you to try it, invite, open up, initiate a genuine connection. And this is, the, this is practicing being actively authentic. And this is one of the things that, that Jonathan and David show us about biblical friendship. So another thing that uh, Jonathan and David show us is that um, it means we're committed in covenant. Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. These guys loved each other so much that they made a covenant to seal their friendship. Jonathan loved him as his own soul and makes this binding promise to each other. And this promise for each other didn't change in difficult circumstances. Jonathan and David demonstrate their, their unchanging affection for each other as they remained friends despite all of those obstacles and adversity that they were walking through together. They loved through all kinds of weather and stuck together in all kinds of trouble. So Proverbs says. Their promise didn't change over time. It was an enduring faithfulness to each other. Even after Jonathan's death, David looked after Jonathan's son and it was out of his devotion and his love for his friend. And to covenant with another, this is like what, what God miraculously does with us. He makes promises throughout the Bible, like he did with Noah or Abraham or his promise to us of life through Christ. God's covenants are unconditional commitments. His promise of his faithfulness to us, and it's unbreakable, it's unchangeable, it is everlasting. And, and this, covenant, this, this is the, the foundation 
or the, the context of their very friendship. Between Jonathan and, and David, it was an unconditional love. They promised they weren't going anywhere. Their hearts would always be for each other. <laughs> we live in a time that is in complete opposition to this. We have a cancel culture. Don't we? We block people, we ghost them, we mute them, we unfriend them, we unfollow them. Today we live in a culture that, that desires intimacy without any of the responsibility. People want all the good things of being with other people without any of the commitment to the harder things of being with other people. And instead of working through differences or changes or, or struggles, we, we avoid, we shut down, we withhold, we disconnect. The world's love is conditional love. Conditional love, it means that, that we're willing to pull away under certain circumstances and a terrible consequence happens with this. Because the minute the disconnect happens, it produces fear in the relationship. A lack of commitment creates insecurity. It can spring up feelings of rejection or abandonment. But the kind of love that Jonathan and David decide upon in their friendship, this is the kind of love that God loves us with. It's an unconditional love. It's committed and covenant. It's this conscious and courageous decision to remain close. And as a sidebar, when we talk about covenants, I'm, I'm not suggesting that we remain in every friendship that is hostile or abusive or manipulative or violent. I think in these situations, we need clear boundaries. I think in these situations, we even may need authorities or, or other supports to protect themselves. But what I am referring to here is our, our friendships, these, these people that we know and that we love and who know us and love us back. I'm, I'm talking about the decision to, to stay in relationship with them, resist that temptation to, to call the whole thing off, to journey through different circumstances when, when it gets really boring, or maybe your lives are in different places, or maybe you've been offended, maybe you don't agree on something. There are always outside pressures, but, but in everything and always, it's protecting and pursuing and choosing, choosing to stay connected to somebody. And it means remaining, hanging on together, working it out. It, it might mean for us overlooking an offense when it calls for it. It might mean forgiving. It might mean asking for forgiveness. It might mean apologizing. It might mean talking through really hard, emotional things. There might even be times where we have to be willing to hold attention in a friendship, to keep a friendship, to agree to disagree, in order to maintain that connection. My relationship with a close friend of mine was almost, was almost destroyed over our different opinions on, on this particular issue. It was really difficult. But what we decided is that we were gonna put the relationship first, and even though we didn't see the matter in the same way, we didn't let our different opinions affect our love for each other and our connection to each other. And when we make that decision to remain close, it's important to say that this is about ourselves and our friend. Remaining close to ourselves means that, that we're responsible for ourselves, that we are operating with self-awareness, that we're seeking to understand the other, that we're speaking in love. 
And then as we're talking lovingly, it's about what we are feeling. It is being able to talk about our preferences. It is being able to talk about our values. And remaining close to our friend, it is the same. We are compassionate to their experience. We seek to understand them. We speak in love. And we talk lovingly about what they are feeling, what their preferences are, what are their values. This isn't, this isn't reacting. It requires a thoughtful response. And it isn't about speaking our truth. But we hear that a lot, speaking my truth. Speaking my truth, though, is often about like raising the, the priority of our own opinion over somebody else's opinion. This is about acknowledging and understanding and emphasizing that in a friendship, there are two people, two sets of experiences, two sets of feelings, two sets of values. And, and in a friendship, you're committed to honoring both. And so when we make agreement to move forward or, or toward, it's, it's uh, an unconditional love. It's instead of moving away in our hearts from each other. It's a commitment to protect the relationship. And it's important to note that sometimes it means that you don't stay in physical relationship with that person. And, and, and that could be for lots of different reasons. But the invitation to the commitment is a commitment to a, a heart posture that says, I will contend for you. It is to be for them, not against them. It's a choice that we make to keep our hearts towards unity and love and peace. Covenant friendships are, are one of the tools that, that Christ can use through our lives to continue to dismantle the kingdom of darkness and take down the enemy's work of hate and division. Imagine a movement of Christ's unconditional love spreading across this planet through us and through our friends. I want to invite you to something. Is there someone in your life that you have shut down to? That your heart has become hard to? That you've moved away from in relationship? Because I would encourage you to pray about them, about reaching out to them, about praying to, to stay with them, staying in relationship with them. And... <laughs> It's going to be vulnerable and, and scary to think about being a, a people who, who keep their hearts committed to, to somebody when, when we can't guarantee what he or she is going to say or do. But what we can guarantee is our choice. As far as it depends on us, we can be responsible for our decision to choose to stay, to choose love, to commit to moving towards each other, to restoring the friendship, not building walls of division. And, you know, that Jesus came to, to reconcile us back to God and to each other. Like, he, he died for it. His heart is unity and love and togetherness and restoration and peace. And so if this is something that we are working towards, if we're choosing commitment to another, I feel like we can be rest assured that he will be working for us 
in this, that his incomparably great power that we have as believers is accessible for this work of reconciliation and peace and love. And so I encourage you to try, and I know that this is a hard one, but please pray. There's the Holy Spirit moving you back into relationship with someone. And then the decision to stay, to contend for, to work it through. And this is practicing being committed in covenant. And this is biblical friendship. So the last thing that I want to talk about in Jonathan and David's friendship is that friendship is self-sacrificing. It said, Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. It's this picture of Jonathan stripping himself of his position. He gave David his royal clothes. He stripped himself of power. He gave David his weapons. There was no rivalry. He gave up all personal honor and power and position for his friend. His was a love that was not characterized by self-interest, but it was a self-giving love. Jonathan loved David. He empowered David. He protected and advocated for David, despite the cost, right up to his death. I think in culture today, friends can often be preoccupied by themselves, like what, what they're experiencing by their friendships, what they are getting out of it. I mean, in the world, you often see relationships that are somewhat rivalries with little empathy towards each other. And culture says, get your own needs met. Comrades are actually competitors. And, and we're taught by culture to look out for yourself. But biblical friendship, biblical friendship displays unselfish love. It's, it's the kind of love that Jesus invites us to. It's the kind of love that Jonathan demonstrates when he gives away everything for the sake of someone else. It's the kind of love that, that David puts on display when he gives Mephibosheth his position and an inheritance that he didn't deserve. Friendship is, is not about, what, not simply about what we can get out of it. No, it's also our work in it what we can give. And we see this in Jonathan, in the, in the middle of all the turmoil and adversity, when, when David's faith is, is losing grip, Jonathan seeks him out, he finds him in Horsh, he, he strengthens his faith, he reminds him that God has promised him. He speaks God's promises over him. He gives courage and strength for the intimidating task that is in front of David. Jonathan casts this bigger vision for why it mattered. Jonathan affirms David's obedience to God. And I just think how strengthening that must have been to be loved like this. How elevating, how securing it is in David's inner life and in his heart. Friendship simply isn't about us. It's, it's got a bigger plan. It's got a bigger mission. It's God's mission. We have shared purpose together with shared gifts. And this requires us to depend on each other to accomplish this purpose. If we're going to do this, if we're going to go out and make disciples and love others well, we are going to need each other. We are going to need each other's help. 
You know, in a battle, the enemy doesn't care much about that lone soldier who's like rushing the line, but they certainly would care about an uprising. And we are a people of God called out from what was the old way of doing things, the world's way of doing things. And now we are participating in community in this new way, not looking out for our best interests, but for God's. Because every single person that he created carries in them great purpose and mission for his glory. Every single one. And when we understand this, we start to see people differently. We start to love people differently. We will prioritize our friends. We will spur them on. We'll meet together. We'll be patient with them, encouraging them, bearing with them, praying for them. We will serve them and we will build them up. And, and, and this strength that, that we keep pouring into them, this isn't some human inspiration. This isn't that poster that hangs in the office with the cat on the line that says, hang in there. This is strength from God. It points to him the same way that Jonathan did. We remind our friends of God's promises to them over their life. We remind them of his faithfulness to them in every situation. We strengthen them by his very word as we speak it over them. Our friendships aren't simply this, this opportunity for us. It is for Jesus, for his people, and his purposes of love upon the earth. You know, self-sacrificing friendships are tools that Christ will use through our lives to continue to dismantle the kingdom of darkness and take down the enemy's work of greed and pride. Imagine a movement of, of Christ's sacrificial love going out across this planet through us, through our friendships. Can you picture it? I want to invite you to something. What friend in your life do you have that is facing adversity right now that you can encourage? Because Jonathan went to David to strengthen him. What friend can you start to, to build into? Starting today, I invite you to, to serve and encourage a friend. And this is to practice sacrificing self. And, and this is a characteristic of biblical friendship. So this is the love that we see in David and Jonathan. Right? It's, it's marked with humility. It, 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 goes, it, goes, it goes deep. It's real. It's unconditional. It promises to, to never fail and to always stand with. It sacrifices self for the sake of another, for the, for the glory of God. And really, as you, you take in those, those features of Jonathan and David's friendship, Humility, unconditional sacrifice. This is the picture of love that Christ offers to us. What a friend we have in Jesus. And, and may we be increasingly like him, loving like him, loving our friends the way he loves us. Amen? <laughs>